0: I want to read one verse of scripture, verse number 13, obviously if you're familiar with this passage, you know that it is centered around the temptation of Jesus Christ. In the chapter that precedes this, Jesus has come to the Jordan River. He's been baptized by John, a climactic moment in the ministry of Christ when John dips him into the water and brings him out. The Bible tells us that the heavens were opened, that a dove descended and sat upon Christ and the voice of God just affirmed and confirmed and validated the ministry and the life of Christ and God himself made an audible expression that day and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately after that, the Bible says that Jesus was driven by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and for 40 days and 40 nights. We we get this picture when we read this passage of Scripture that there was only three times that Satan came to him. The Bible tells us for 40 days that Jesus was tempted. He ate nothing. He fasted and went through a very long process of trial and temptation. And then verse 13 is interesting to me. When the season of temptation had ended, The Bible records these words, Luke 4, 13. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. When I read that, that says to me that that particular season of trial and temptation and struggle was over for that time. But there would be another season that Jesus would be tested and would be tempted and would be tried. One version says that the devil temporarily retreated, lying in wait for another opportunity. The time was coming that the devil was going to return, and his goal was to destroy the work and the person of Christ. I want to use for a title today. Let me just, let me preface before I give you the title. There's every Sunday you want to stand behind this pulpit and know that you know that you've got a word from the Lord. And I don't know any preacher that, that doesn't feel like that. But there are just some, some Sundays that you just really, really feel in your heart that you have just heard very clearly from the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> I feel like that this morning. There's, there's something heavy the Lord's laid upon me. and Here's what I want to preach on this morning, this thought. Demonic or devilish assignments. I want to pray right before we're seated. I, 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 feel, I feel the unction of God in here today. I, I feel like the Lord's given me something that I need to preach today to help somebody I want you to pray for me as I preach today. I'm going to pray for you before we're seated. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the word today. Holy Spirit, I invite your presence in this moment to come and to settle amongst us. Lord, I don't want to say anything today that you don't want me to say. I don't want to go any further in this message than you want me to go. So God, when your Holy Spirit prompts me to stop, Lord, I want to be obedient at that moment and stop what I'm doing and allow you to do what you want to do. I'm asking you to touch the hearts today of people to receive the word, touch their ears today to hear the word. God, I pray today that you will take this information, you will download it, God, and it will become revelation, God, so that transformation will happen today amongst your people. Father, I give you these next few moments. If you don't help me today, God, I can't fulfill what you've asked me to do today. I bless you for it, and I thank you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. God bless you today. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Pastor Tony, thank you for your help this morning. Let me begin by saying today, and I believe that all of you would agree with me this morning, that God does indeed have a plan our lives. I'll even take it a step further and tell you that I believe God has a good plan for our lives. We love to read Jeremiah 29 and 11. It's probably my favorite verse in all of Scripture where the Bible declares, God says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a hope, to give you a future, and to give you an expected end. Jesus himself in Luke 12 and 32 said, fear not little flock. For it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Then we all love to read and to quote Philippians 1 and 6 when Paul penned these words and said, He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. God has a good plan for our lives. But not to be outdone. Make no mistake about it that as good as the plan of God is for our lives, the devil has a plan, Satan has a plan of his own for us. And his plan is centered on our demise, our defeat, our downfall, and our destruction. Jesus tells us in John chapter 10 and verse number 10, we know it well, we quote it quite often, that the thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We read in Ephesians 6 and 11 where Paul talks to us about the wiles and the schemes and the tricks of the devil. Paul would write to his young protege Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 26. He would talk to Timothy about the snares of the devil. And then who can forget what Peter wrote to us in 1 Peter 5 and 8? And we know this well, and all of you, most of you could probably quote this, where Peter said, Be sober. Don't be in a drunken spiritual stupor, Peter was saying. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The devil has a plan, and that plan is to destroy us and to destroy you and to destroy your family. Now, I want you to know today that I'm not one of those preachers that believes that you, ha- that you can blame the devil for every bad thing that happens in your life. Everything is not the devil's fault, by the way. And I'm not one of those preachers that believes there's a devil behind every bush. Either, I remember one time as a boy, my dad was pastor in a particular church. We had a a vet, a veterinarian that, that was was in our church. He took care of cows, and one time he got close to that cow, and that cow got a little worked up, and it kicked him. He told my dad, "I saw the devil in that cow's eye." Now, you didn't see the devil in the cow's eye. You got too close and agitated him, and he kicked you. <laughs> so I don't believe there's a devil behind every bush. And I don't believe that every trial and every struggle and every difficulty is always a spiritual matter. Most of what we deal with is because of the curse of sin that was inflicted upon this world. A lot of what we deal with is just the common everyday occurrence of this thing that we live called life. Sometimes life just happens. Sometimes life is not fair and sometimes life deals us a hand that we'd rather not have to to face or to play. But here's what I do believe. I do believe that there are certain times and there are specific seasons when there are demonic assignments that are released against the people of God. Demonic assignments that are released that target us. Demonic assignments that are released to to target us, to torment us, and to totally destroy us. Let me take just a moment here, and I want to give you some, some scriptural references that I believe will validate what I'm trying to communicate with you this morning. It doesn't take long when you get into the pages of God's Word, Brother Gene Turpin in Genesis chapter 3. In the chapter that precedes that, we see this wonderful moment of creation, six days of creation that transpire. When God starts speaking and something starts happening, God said, let there be, and all of the sudden things just started exploding. And it was not a big bang theory. It was the creative handiwork of an almighty, auspicious, amazing God. He spoke and something happened. Oh, I feel him today. Mm. And on that sixth day of creation, it was the, what I believe was the, cli- the climax of creation. That God, the Bible said, formed man from the dust of the earth. He breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Bible said that God looked down and he saw that man that he'd created, Adam, and God said it's not good that man be alone. So he put Adam into a deep sleep. He performed side surgery on him, Aunt B. He pulled a rib out and from that rib he created a woman and he named her Eve and God gave them dominion and God gave them authority. He put them in this wonderful place called Eden that he had created for them and said, all of it belongs to you. It's under your power. Every tree in this garden, all this fruit that hangs from these trees, it's yours. You can eat it. But there is a tree in the middle of the garden. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are not to eat from that tree. For the day that you do, you will surely die. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that the serpent who was the most subtle beast of the field. Theologians and commentators tell us that somehow that serpent became possessed by the spirit of Satan himself. And he slithered up to Eve. And the serpent spoke and he said, Eve, did God really say that you can't eat from that tree? Eve God didn't mean what he said. And he didn't say what he meant. God's just afraid, Eve, that if you eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that you're going to become like him. You're going to have the wisdom of God. And you're going to have the power of God. Eve, God didn't really mean that. And all of a sudden, the enemy... Sows this seed in the mind of Eve a demonic assignment to destroy the first man and the first woman Now I'm gonna need you to to clue in here and check in with your pastor this morning Let me preach to you what the Lord is just burning in my heart And she brings Adam over we know the story he gives in and he eats the fruit and all of a sudden The Bible says that immediately their eyes were opened Sin had entered the human race They perceived that they were naked Because the Bible had said to that point They were naked, they were not ashamed there There was no lust that was a part of the world at this point Because sin had not entered But all of a sudden, when sin enters the human race, their eyes are open. They perceive that they're naked. The Bible says they went to to get these fig leaves to make a covering for themselves. And they begin to to run, and they begin to try to hide. And the Bible says they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And God leaned over the banister seals of heaven, and he said, Adam, where are you? God, I was afraid. I was was naked. I, I hid myself. Adam, who told you that you were naked? Why were you afraid? Did you eat the fruit that I told you not to eat? And all of a sudden, they're banished from the garden. And the enemy has come. And he had an assignment that day. And that assignment, orchestrated from the very depths of hell, was to destroy Adam and Eve. Jesus talked about it. In John 8 and 44, he's talking to the religious leaders. And here's what he said. He said, you are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. Now watch what Jesus says about him. He was a murderer from the beginning. You see that? He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks in his native tongue. So, from the very beginning of time, the enemy had set his sights on the destruction of all humanity. Follow the pages of the Word of God. You go in the book of Luke chapter 13, verses 10 through 13. And the Bible tells us of a lady in that passage of Scripture who had an 18-year infirmity. The Bible said that she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Now watch this. And the Bible, Brother Joey Shepard, calls it a spirit of infirmity. For 18 years, she lived bent over and stooped over with a spirit of infirmity. But when Jesus showed up that day, he spoke a word and he broke the spirit of infirmity that had affected that lady for 18 years. Watch now. Stay in Luke chapter 22 or in the book of Luke over to chapter number 22. Jesus warns Peter about a demonic assignment that is coming against his life. Here's what he says, Luke 22:31. Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat that he may shake you up and beat you up and shake you all around and shake your faith and get you to quit and get you to give in. But Peter, here's what I need you to know, Jesus said. I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Who can forget the story of Job? I preached on him a few weeks ago. You talk about demonic assignments. The devil himself had to stand in the throne room of heaven before God and ask permission to do anything against Job. I don't want to recount all of that story, but in just a matter of of moments, Job lost his finances. Job lost his family. His faith was shaken. His friends bailed on him. A demonic assignment that was sent from hell... Here's what you need to know today that nothing will ever touch you that is not first passed through the hands of God. God does not inflict bad things upon people. God does allow some things to test us and to try us, but I'm trying to get you to understand today, there are demonic assignments that are orchestrated in the very depths and the bellies of hell to destroy your life, to destroy your family, to destroy your marriage, to destroy your peace of
1: mind, and I've come today with an assignment from God to pull the cover off of the enemy and to expose him for who he is and to hopefully help Help us get into a place of victory and not live beaten down and broken down and defeated all the time. Listen, you are of God, little children and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He's given us power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil.
0: Book of Daniel, chapter 10. Daniel has this... Great vision from God this spiritual encounter he begins to seek the Lord to get revelation he wants to understand what it is that he's seen and the Bible said for 21 days Daniel fasted and Daniel prayed trying to get the revelation from God And God finally shows up 21 days later, and here's what he says to Daniel. Watch this now, demonic assignments. He said, Daniel, from the first day, the first day, that you set your heart to pray and to fast and to get the answer, he said, I heard you. But he said, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for these 21 days and tried to hold up the answer you were looking for. You study that out. The prince of the kingdom of Persia, they say, was an evil, demonic entity, quite possibly a fallen angel that was fighting against the forces of heaven trying to keep Daniel from getting the revelation about Persia that God had given him. You go over into 1 Chronicles 21, verse number 1. The Bible says these words that Satan stood up against Israel. And he caused David to take a census of the kingdom of Israel. It was nothing more than a prideful move by David that was instituted by the influence of the enemy. And David says to Joab, I want you to go through the whole kingdom. I want you to count all my subjects. I want you to tell me how many people now populate my kingdom. And Joab begged him, King, please don't do this. It's prideful, king. Please don't do them. But I'm telling you, read the story, First Chronicles 21. The enemy had targeted the king, and there was an assignment from hell to operate through David's life in pride. And David said, Job, I want you to go and count him and come back and tell me. Joab submits to the king. He comes back, and he gives him the whole census and all the people that are there. And God was displeased. And if you studied the story out, there was this great plague that affected the nation of Israel, and thousands of people died because of the decision that David had made. It was destruction through pride. You do understand that it was pride that was the downfall of the devil to begin with, don't you? You do understand that the devil was a created angelic being by God himself. And when God created that angelic being, he named him Lucifer, son of the morning or day star. Study it out. Yet they will tell you that Satan was quite possibly the most beautiful angel that God had created in the heavens. They say that he was quite possibly the highest ranking angel in all of heaven. If you read Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 27, you'll see that he was prone to have this ability for music and for worship if you study it out. But one day Lucifer said to himself, I will ascend to the heights of heaven. I will ascend higher than God. I will go higher than even the stars in heaven. I I will take the throne from God. And at that moment, because God said, I'll share my glory with none other. Lucifer was cast out of heaven with a third of his angels and even Jesus himself. I believe in Luke chapter 10, he would reference this and say, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Here's what you need to know today. That not every difficulty is a demonic assignment. Because listen, poor choices lead to devastating consequences, by the way. And some of you will say, oh, Pastor, I, I'm, I've got a demonic assignment on my life, and it's a spiritual matter. No, really, sometimes it's just, it's just a season that you're reaping from bad seeds that you've sown. I'm not talking about those things. And we've all made bad choices, and we've all had to reap the repercussions, and we've all sown seeds to the flesh and have had to reap. And I, what, about those, what about those demonic assignments, Pastor? When there are no bad choices involved, and there's no sin involved, And there really is this this evil power and presence that has been released from hell that is targeting my life and targeting my family. I want to tell you something. Not everything that happens in your life is always a coincidence. I know this is a stretch for some of you theologically maybe. but I'm going to preach what God's put on my heart today. Now, there are seasons, I believe, that the enemy unleashes the demons from hell that target you and target your family and target your mind and their one objective and goal is to destroy you and get you to give up on the faith and to quit on God because his plan is to drag you off to a place called hell to live for eternity. That's the plan of the devil. And I believe there are seasons and assignments that are unleashed from hell against us. Let, let me just give you some things you need to know. Number one, you need to know that the devil operates under the cover of darkness. Now, I don't know. Maybe there's you here that we, we, we don't believe in the supernatural. We don't believe in demons and devils and all you're talking about. And well, I got news for you, friend. If you don't believe it, you're going to live a defeated life. God, I feel the Holy Ghost today. I feel really bold. I've been out of the pulpit way too long. I'm going to make up for some time today. Listen. Here's what the Bible says, and I'm just trying to I'm trying to take everything I prepared this week and validate it by the Word of God. You know what Paul said in Ephesians six and twelve? We don't wrestle against principalities and powers. We don't wrestle against, oh, sorry, flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Watch this: against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. In heavenly places. Look, the Apostle Paul one day was recounting his conversion experience that he had on the road to Damascus. He looked at King Agrippa and he was explaining what had happened, how the bright light had come and knocked him off his horse, and God began speaking to him, and God had called him to the Jews and to the Gentiles. And Paul says this in Acts 26:18: that he's called me to turn them from darkness to light, Now watch, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Colossians 1:13, the apostle Paul writes this: We have been delivered from the power of darkness. I want you to hear me today, according to first John 1:5, God is light. And in him, the Bible says, there is no darkness at all. Do you understand that everything that the devil does, he operates undercover in darkness? And everything about the kingdom of darkness is exactly opposite of the kingdom of light. Listen, if the kingdom of light is healing, that means the kingdom of darkness is sickness. If the kingdom of light is peace, that means the kingdom of darkness is chaos and confusion. And fear and worry. If the kingdom of light is faith. That means that the kingdom of darkness is fear. If the kingdom of light is blessing and prosperity. That means that the kingdom of darkness is poverty. What I'm trying to tell you today. Is that the devil has been operating undercover
1: for way too long. He works in a kingdom of darkness. And when it's so dark you can't see it. You have no idea what you're dealing with. But I'm telling you today. God sent me to this church this morning. As your pastor to help you pull the cover off of the devil. You don't have to live under this cloud of darkness anymore. We're exposing him today by the light of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know who he is. We know how he operates. And when we know that, listen, we can live with victory in the name of Jesus. If you believe it today, give him praise. Hallelujah.
0: Stretch it right here. You may leave day and say, Pastor, you've lost your mind. Well, you can say, say what you want to say. Have you ever wondered? Ever wondered when you have a physical sickness? When does it get worse? When's it? When's it bad? It's bad at night. Oh, come on, Pastor. Listen, I can tell you from experience. I walked through a terrible time of torment emotionally and mentally several years ago, and I'd be okay in the daytime. But Brother Joe, when the sun began to set and physical darkness would come, I'm telling you the spiritual darkness would intensify and it would increase. The devil operates under a cloud of darkness. And if you don't know who he is and how he operates, you can never get breakthrough from whatever it is that he's assigned against your life. Here's the second thing I want you to know. That exposing Satan... And his demonic assignments is half the battle. If you don't know what you're dealing with, how are you going to fight it? You see, anybody still here with me today? Huh? Some of you may have checked out on me because you think maybe I'm reaching. I'm Listen, if you don't know what you're dealing with, you can't fight it. If you just think everything's a coincidence and everything just kind of happens, there are some coincidences in life. But I'm telling you, there are seasons of demonic assignments that the devil comes to attack your life. You've got to be able to know the difference. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, we're not ignorant of his devices. We're not some of you listen. Some of you just don't have the knowledge because you don't understand. You don't realize that you've been dealing with some demonic things, some devilish assignments. I, I'm helping you today to get some knowledge about how to fight this thing. Second Corinthians four and four. You know what it says? He speaks of the God of this age who has blinded people's minds. Second Corinthians eleven to fourteen says that the devil comes and he appears as an angel of light. He operates in darkness and he operates in deception there's this Old Testament story. Let me hurry and, and, and tell it to you real quickly. In Joshua chapter 10. These five kings have gathered together to attack Joshua because there's this group of people called the Gibeonites that Israel had made a treaty with and the reputation of the Israelites had preceded them. And these five kings had heard the great victories that, that Joshua, the children of Israel had, 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 had gained. The Bible tells us that This group of people called the Gibeonites who had made this treaty with Israel, it it, it scared these five kings. They didn't like it. And they began to set themselves in in, in battle mode to go into fight against the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites who had made the treaty with Israel came and said to Joshua, listen, you made a treaty with us and said you'd help us. These five kings are coming to attack us. You need to help us. Joshua gets his men and gets his army together. This is the story where Joshua prayed for the sun to stand still and God literally froze time so that he could have daylight to finish off the enemy. But there's an interesting part of this story that I read this week. That when these five kings saw that they were being defeated, the Bible said that they ran into a cave and they hid. They hid. They didn't want to be found. And when Joshua heard that, he said, roll a stone over the mouth of the cave. You keep fighting this battle so we can finish. We'll come back and take care of these kings later. Watch this. I'm talking about bringing things out. And they come back and they they roll the stone away. And those five kings have been found. They were hiding. And Joshua brings them out. And here's what he said. It's powerful. He says, put your foot on the neck of these kings. Watch now, put your foot on the neck of these kings. These men put their feet on the neck of these kings and Joshua destroys those five kings. What's the point, Pastor? My point is this. They could not deal with those five kings until they were brought out of hiding. They'd been hunkered down in that cave hiding, trying to save their hides. But Joshua brought them out from hiding and took care of them. And
1: here's what he said. Put your foot on their neck. I'm telling you, there's some people here today, you need to put your foot on the neck of the devil and silence him and shut his mouth up and tell him that you are more than a conqueror through God who has first loved you. Listen, he's put all things the Bible said under his feet. It's time we live as a child of God. It's time we appropriate his promises. It's time we activate the power of God that's in us. Put your foot on the neck of every devil. Put your foot on the neck of every demon and silence him and break the stronghold and the assignment against your life. Oh, somebody praise him today. I feel the Holy Ghost in here.
0: Oh Jesus. That's half the battle. Half the battle is uncovering and exposing. The devil and demonic assignments. You gotta uncover him. You gotta take the cover off. You gotta expose him. You gotta know what you're dealing with. And there's some of you in here today, you are you are through the witness of the Holy Ghost, you say, Pastor, I'm getting what you're saying. My heart is bearing witness. I'm getting some of this revelation you're talking about because there's some of you, you've been under a demonic attack. Let me show you this. Let me teach for a minute. It's only 11.46, by the way, if you're looking at your clock. Some of the demonic assignments come through what I call strongholds. Everybody say stronghold. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3, 4, and 5, there's what the Bible gives us a picture of, uh, of warfare. It's a warfare chapter, they say. And here's what Paul said. Although we walk after the flesh... We don't war after the flesh. Listen, you're not in a fleshly battle. The chaos and the conflict and the hell that's broken loose in your home, you may think it's between you and your spouse or you and your kids. It's not. It's a spiritual battle. I'm going to come down here and preach a little bit. (laughs) For though we walk after the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down. God, I'm about to have a fit right here. To the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody say stronghold. Casting down. Watch this. Imaginations. Everybody say the mind. That's where the strongholds start right here in the mind. And we'll give you some revelation here. Casting down imaginations, everything that exalted itself against the knowledge of Christ, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen, there are assignments, demonic assignments through strongholds that the devil releases. You know what a stronghold is? A stronghold is a place that is dominated by a particular group. There is this place called our mind. Everybody say our mind. There's this place called our mind that if we're not careful, the devil will set up shop and set up camp in our mind, and he will dominate everything about us. Listen, everything that ever happens in your life, it all starts with a thought. <clears throat> Some of you got that going home look on your face. Some of you, I don't know if I agree with you. I got that I don't care, Spirit. I don't care if you agree or not. <laughs> I might not feel as bold when, the, when, when this service is done, but I feel pretty bold. I don't give a rip if you agree or not. I got to get the truth out to some of you today. <laughs> and I said, rip. Watch. So there's this, this thing called our mind. Let me, let me ask this here. Is anybody in this place? And I want, I want 100% honesty and transparency. I'll raise my hand first. That struggles in your mind sometimes. My God. <clears throat> It's my thorn in the flesh, I'm telling you. It's my thorn in the flesh. Worry and anxiety, it is my thorn in the flesh. I deal with it every single day of my life. Watch. That's why the Bible tells us that we've got to guard our minds. What Paul saying in Romans 12 and 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of what? Of your mind. That means you got to make your mind new again. Paul would write in Colossians 3 and 2, and here's what he'd say. Set your mind on things above and not on things below. Proverbs 4 and 23. The writer said, guard your heart or guard your mind, for out of it springs every issue. Did you see that? Every issue of life springs out of the heart, the mind of a man or a woman. Isaiah 26 and 3. He said, I'll keep thee in perfect peace. Whose mind, I'm telling you, somebody's going to get some victory over your mind today. Mm. Whose mind is stayed upon thee. Acts 5 and 3. Remember that story when Ananias and Sapphira sold this piece of land and they came in. And Peter asked him, did you sell this piece of land yet? Yeah. What did you sell it for? And they gave him an amount that wasn't true. You know what Peter said to Ananias? Why has, watch, why has Satan filled your heart or your mind, the light of the Holy Ghost. It's there. Go read Acts 5.3. You know what Jesus said in Matthew 15 and 19? He said, out of the heart or out of the mind come evil thoughts, murders, fornication. Fornication, by the way, is sexual sin, illicit sexual relationships prior to you being married. Move on, but I'm not moving on. I'm gonna preach the truth right here. I don't care if it's for your government benefits or not, it's a sin. I told you, I got an I don't care anointed on me today. Well, pastor, it's this culture we're living in, and you know, it's okay, we're in
1: love. and we re- Then go to the courthouse and get married if you love each other that much. But the word of God says that sexual activity prior to marriage. It's a sin. I didn't write the book. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you the truth of the word of God today.
0: Oh, Lord, I got an honor streak on me today. I feel kind of mean. I need to be nice right here. He said fornication, adultery. You know how extramarital affairs start? It starts in the mind and the heart. you got to picture it in your mind and your heart before you actually go through and do it. <clears throat> Pastor, you're making me uncomfortable. I don't care. I care about you, but I just don't care today. I'm going to give you the word. i got to give you the truth. I, where does that come from? It comes out of the heart. It comes out of the mind. What else? He He said theft. False testimony, blasphemies, it all comes out of the heart and the mind. So we have to renew our mind. And assignments come through strongholds. And the devil attacks our mind and he dominates this place called our mind and I believe he, there are demonic assignments that are sent out to attack the mind of the people of God. And if he can get your mind, and if you allow him to gain control of your mind, you're in trouble. Pastor, come help me lay in this. <clears throat> just you right now. I just need some soft music. I'm not done, but I want these folks to think I'm done. You gotta identify your stronghold. I could list about, I don't know, nine or ten for you that some of you are probably dealing with. There's a stronghold hold called lust. And some of you deal with men, women, but it's very prominent in men. And this thing called pornography, it's a powerful thing. It starts in the mind. The addiction starts in the mind. Now, Pastor, we're not going to talk about that stuff in church, or we might as well talk about it in church. The world talks about it. We might as well talk about it and unveil the truth about it. <clears throat> Pastor, I don't know what you did on vacation, but you're not acting very nice. I'm just acting truthful today. <coughs> That's some frankenberries I ate this morning for breakfast. And J.C. found a box of them at Ollie's, I think. They just served those. We found a box. I had two bowls this morning. I like the little marshmallows. The milk makes them real soft. That's the best kind, right? I like Lucky Charms. <coughs> I had two bowls this morning, by the way. It makes the milk all pink like strawberry. Then you drink the milk's even better when you're done. I might eat two bowls next week. I'm gonna preach like this. God, I feel him in my soul today. God's gonna help somebody before you leave here. Lust, anger. Some of you are so angry, you're so mad at things that have happened in your life, things that have been done to you. It controls your mind. Fills you with bitterness and hate. I'm not one of those preachers, and I'm not gonna get I got three other things to to help you get through, but I need to I just need to park here for a minute. I'm not one of those preachers that preaches this, well, just get over it. How do you get over when somebody hurts you? How I just get over it and move on. I, I don't know if you ever get over the pain. Of rejection and abuse and hurt. I don't know if you ever get over it, but your attitude will eventually change about it. And when you think about that person or think about that place or that situation, you won't have the bitterness and the hate because the love of God will transform your heart. But right now, some of you are dealing with that stronghold of anger. <clears throat> Fear. Worry. Anxiety. I travel some and preach occasionally. I don't do a lot on Sunday mornings, especially because I feel an obligation to be here and I want to be here in this pulpit. But I travel some during the week, and <clears throat> I'm going to be gone some this summer. Not a lot, but preaching some places, not Sunday morning. But and it, it's it, it never fails when I go places. And I ask people who deal who who deals with this battlefield of the mind and worry and fear and anxiety. And Hands go up all over the place every time I preach somewhere. stronghold shame some of you, listen, you've been saved by the blood of Jesus, if I can use a churchy term you're born again, you have a new life in Christ, but you still live under the cloud of condemnation condemnation and guilt and shame over your past life that's a stronghold it's a stronghold I'm telling you that there's a demonic assignment that the enemy releases to torment you over your past. But I'm telling you, 2 Corinthians 3 and 17, where the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Depression, <clears throat> addictions, pride. When you get to the place that you just think you can, you can, you can will yourself out of it, and you don't need help, you don't need anybody, you're tough, you can do it yourself. No, you got a pride issue is what you have. <clears throat> I really don't mean to come across mean or hateful. If you're watching this Facebook Live, I don't mean to come across mean or hateful. But I feel a boldness on me today. Pastor, I don't, I don't need to respond to an altar call. I don't need to hear the truth. I'm going I'm to will myself out. No, you got a pride issue. Nobody can ever tell you anything. You don't want to hear anything. You don't want to hear any wise counsel. You don't want to hear any advice. You've got a pride issue. It's a stronghold. Grief. Grief. Pastor, you, you haven't lost what I've lost. You haven't been where I've been. You're right. And I believe there is a season of mourning and there should be a season of sorrow. But theres I believe, listen, I believe there's a spirit of grief that operates in the world today. I need to talk to a preacher. Brother Joey, am I, on, am I on point this morning, sir? Thank you. I just need another preacher to validate it for just a second. Make me feel a little better. <clears throat> Grief. You can't pull yourself out of the bed. You just can't hardly function. I believe there's that stronghold of infirmity and sickness. That's scriptural. It's there. Just these constant sicknesses and unexplained things, you can't get any medical diagnosis and you can't explain it and just it keeps happening. I believe it's the spirit of infirmity that operates in the world today. She's lived it a couple different times. My wife has. She's lived it. Season of Rocky Mountain, we spent tons of money on scans and reports and x-rays and diagnosis. Nothing, nothing. And as quick as it came, about, I don't know, three months later, it was gone. I'll tell you what it was. It was a spirit of infirmity. <clears throat> you got to identify the stronghold. If you can't identify the stronghold, you can't break the assignment the devil sent against your life. If you're watching us by Facebook Live, I want to tell you today through the means of media. You don't have to live bound by the stronghold the devil has released against your life. You can be free right now. In the, na- I'm talking to somebody today that's watching us via Facebook Live. You can be free today by the power of the Holy Spirit. The assignment can be broken. The stronghold can be broken in your life. And you can live in freedom today in the name of Jesus. I want to tell you this as I close. Pastor, you've told us all about it. So how do we, how do we overcome the assignment? How do, we, how do we render it useless and ineffective? Real quickly, I'm going to tell you number one. According to James 4 and 7, he says, Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil. He flees from you. I call it submitting and slugging. You've got to just say, God, it's yours. And then you got to come out fighting you got to come out fighting. I'm telling you, if you lay down and you let the devil, he will kick your rear end. He'll walk all over you. Let me use a good old country term. He'll stomp a mud hole in you if you let him. What else do I do, Pastor? I call it dressing up and standing up. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore. Having your loins girt about with a belt of truth, put on the breastplate of righteousness, take the helmet of salvation, take the sword of the spirit, pray always in the, in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. You gotta stand up
1: and you gotta dress up.
0: Amen. What's the last thing, Pastor? I call it hookup. Everybody say hookup. You gotta hook up. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verses 19 and 20. He said, most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Again, this is the verse I want you to see right here. It was verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you on this earth agree, if two of you agree, on this earth agree concerning anything it'll be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered together in my name there I am in their midst I'm telling you come here Gene Turpin help me preach this friend I can't do this by myself I gotta have somebody help me walk through this thing Who God come here Kenny Hancock one can put a thousand to flight two can put ten thousand to flight A three-folded cord is not easily broken. My God. Come here, Brother Joey. We need the body of Christ to hook up. Come here, Susan. Come here, Susan. Come here, Judy. Come here, Rosalie. Come here, Gina. Come come here, Jerry Beckner. Bring your wife with you when you come. Come on. I'm telling you, we can't do this thing on our own. I can't
1: handle demonic assignments by myself. I can't defeat the devil by myself, but I'm telling you, if I can just get two of us to agree together, we can ask God whatever we want. He said it'd be done for them by my Father in heaven, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There I am in their midst. I'm telling you, if we'll get hooked up, God will do something, and He'll break and every demonic stronghold in our lives my God I feel him today my God I feel him today raise up your hands and welcome the Holy Ghost here I wish some of you'd hook up and get out of your chair and walk around this sanctuary a little bit. There's power in unity.